Welcome to More Than Movies. I'm Ivana. And I'm Jay. Today we explore what 2021 had to offer on TV. And that means... It's time for a Top 10 Turf War. That's right. It's a Top 10 Turf War. If you're just joining us for the first time for a Top 10 Turf War, we do this at the top of every single season Ivana, we are at season six of this show. I know. This is crazy. And I'm excited because actually I think this has been an exceptional year in television. Perfect. Because I think this has been a terrible year for TV. And my top 10 was really hard to pick. So what I know about you and me is this. Anything that the listener, you listening at home, are like, where's that? One of us is going to have it on our list. That's what we do. We like kind of have such a different taste in movies that I'm going to say a 10. Ivana is going to say a 10 and you'll find something you love on one of these for sure. For sure. But there's criteria to all of our top 10 TV lists when we're doing a year. And that criteria is Ivana. Well, for one, we are only adjudicating fictional content. Scripted series only. Look, I know that Survivor took a two-year hiatus and it's back and it's exciting. Not on this show. The other thing is it has to be a brand new show. It needs to have premiered for the first time in 2021. That's right. That's the big thing about our top 10 turf war. And the way it's going to work is I'm going to give one at a time my top 10 Well, Ivana, one at a time, is giving her top 10. And at the end, we're going to take the list and we're going to build a master list just like our top three turf wars usually. It's not your favorite stuff. It's our favorite stuff, just so you're aware. And because it's scripted series, please understand my actual favorite show of the year, Pretend It's a City, is not on this list. Because that is a Scorsese documentary series. And I can't have it on this. What's Wait, what's the show? Pretend It's a what? Pretend It's a City is on Netflix. Oh. Stars Fran Lebowitz. And I have watched it three times back to back. It is my favorite show of the year by far. But it is not a scripted series. I watched like two or three episodes when you recommended it to me, actually, when it came out. And I thought it was okay. But I did not finish it. I get it. I'm weird. This is this is the beauty of you and I being co-hosts. That's true. That that's true. I will. I'll pick up the stuff that you will never touch, and you will always have the stuff that I never have any patience for on your list. And that's what makes this amazing. So, why don't you kick us off with your number ten of the year, twenty twenty one? What is your number ten TV show? My number ten is a Hulu freeform co-production. Cruel Summer. Tell me about it. I've never heard of it. I'm excited. I'm writing it down. All right. First of all, this is a mystery series. Uh, I don't know if it's a limited series or if it might. I guess it could come back again. Um, We binged it pretty hard. So we were going maybe like one or two episodes a day for the season. Um, And it's a mystery in this small Texas town that we have this teen who is like the prom queen. Everybody loves her. She's amazing. She has the boyfriend. She has the popularity. And all of a sudden, she's abducted. 
Oh. Right. And the cool thing about the show and the fun thing about the premise is that it takes place always around the same calendar time, but across three different years. Well, I like that. That is a good, good story structure. It's a great story structure. So it's like... You know, if it's July 4th, it's Ju- around July 4th in 1994, 1995, and 1996. I, I can't entirely, it might be 93, 94, 95, but it's in there somewhere. And 1995 is definitely part of it. And, and it's 90s, which is also kind of fun and nostalgic and like, you know, like back in the day. And so we have two girls and they're both leads. So there's the popular girl who gets abducted. And then there's this other girl who's like less popular and a little bit jealous and kind of like envious of the popular girl. And they seem to be kind of unrelated, but we're going to find out that they're actually much more intertwined than you would imagine. How old are these girls that we're watching? Teenagers. We're in high school, baby. Okay. All right. So this is like a high school... Is it a dramedy or is it like full on thriller? It's a a drama mystery and it is really drama fun. Drama mystery, okay. It like, what's great is just like, they set up one character to be one thing while they set up the other character to be another thing. And you're also kind of like putting together the timeline as it goes because it's a little bit discombobulating to be seeing July 4th, 93, July 4th, 94, July 4th, 95. And you don't entirely know the full story of like when you know that she was abducted. And so it's like one year before she's abducted, right when she comes back after being found from being abducted. And then one year after getting abducted. Knowing all of those years and getting information through all of those different timelines, does it still play sort of like a whodunit? Totally. Um, There's an accusation that is being hurled and it is and I think I can say this because it kind of like is the premise of the show or is it a twist you know what I don't know if I'm gonna say it because it could be a twist you know what no spoilers no spoilers no spoilers in our top 10 turf absolutely not so I'm not gonna say it but it's it's really fun it's I have not seen a mystery that has been this well structured and it had me hooked and it had Blake hooked and it had my mom hooked. So there we go. I like it. I, 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 I'm very interested in this. I'm going to see where I can find it in Canada. I also have a mystery in my number 10 spot. Oh, what is it? Uh, that is only murders in the building. Oh, thank goodness. That is just like it's in my honorable mentions. And the only, actually it's number 11 for me. So uh, there we go. But the reason is that I've only seen two episodes. So I really can't like there's not enough for me to place it any higher. But I'm very excited about this show. It's at the number 11 spot. All right. So I won't say anything further than the first two episodes for Ivana here. But it's Steve Martin, Martin Short. Martin Short in this is also like fantastic. Who knew? He's just. He's so good. So fun. And what a good head (laughs) of hair. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. I don't even know what I'm agreeing with you. What are you talking about? <laughs> His hair. <laughs> I just watched episode two before we recorded this, and I was thinking, like, wow, his hair, like, is nice. I'm, like, into this. Good hairstyle. I'm trying to think back to this. So this is about three people who live in this really gorgeous building in New York City. Steve Martin, like I said, Selena Gomez, and Martin Short. 
and all of them have their own things. Uh, you know, Steve Martin's an aging actor. Selena Gomez has this sort of mysterious past. And Martin Short is a, a theater director who's not getting work. Regardless of that, they're all three true crime, like, aficionados. And these three stumble onto a suicide in their building and are convinced. Convinced. This is a murder. Absolutely. Convinced. This this was no suicide. This is a murder. So they start making their own podcast. That's right. About the murder. Because Martin Short sniffs like this opportunity, right? He's like, oh, shit, I can make money off. That's right. That's right. So uh, it is an intriguing mystery while also being really darn funny. Really darn New York, I think. I think there is like a New York flair to this. It just feels really, really great. Uh, Like I said, my favorite show of the entire year is Pretend It's a City, which is basically just about New York City. That's true. And coming there in the 70s. And all the thing, all the opinions this one woman has about living in New York since she was 17 years old. So I love New York and I love New York City. And I find that this was one of those really, really great shows. Uh, and I and I probably have it higher, too. But I myself have yet to finish the whole thing. Ah. And everything else, I've finished at least the first season. So I had to put the ones that I finished, you know, a little higher. Yeah, you know what? I have finished everything else on my, like, everything on my top ten. I feel like that's what you have to do, right? Like, if a, if a show kept you through the season, that was a show worth watching. Like, you know how I feel about TV. I, I am weirdly jumping from thing to thing all the time. And I, I lose interest so quickly now. Most of the time when I'm watching TV, I'm like, you know what? It probably would have been a great two-hour movie. <laughs> and I would have sat there and loved it. But you've made it into 10 hours. I don't need it. I like but the, the anyway. character study and dissection. But I will say, like, yeah, the stuff at the bottom of my list, I have not watched the whole season, probably. Unless it's a comedy. Sometimes I, I do that anyway. I have at the bottom of my list a show called Rebel. I literally watched the first episode. Plan to go on. Never did. Same. Never did. Same. But it's not at the Never bottom did. of my list. It's way in the middle. But, like... Because I really enjoyed that first episode, but then I just, oh no, I watched three or four and then I dropped off the wagon. I feel like if I gave more time to something, then clearly I was more invested than that. So I was just trying to, you know, but the very bottom of my list. And if The Rock is listening, listen, man, I still love you, but I did not like your show. (laughs) (laughs) So Young Rock is at the very bottom of my list. Which is probably going to piss some people off who love Young Rock. And they're like, oh, but this is the rest of your list and Young Rock's at the bottom. With that said, number nine going over to you, Ivana. All right. All right. I'm excited for this one. Kevin can fuck himself with a Shit's Creek alumni. What a wonderful little series. Go for it. Talk about it. It is, uh, it is a little lower on my list. Okay. So I was just blown away by this series so it is starring annie murphy from schitt's creek and uh it's like a play on like kevin james and king of queens and his other show and i heard like some really good juicy backdrop about like specifically why they chose to go with kevin but essentially 
It's meant to be half sitcom and half like breaking bad drama. And anytime her husband is anywhere near her, we're watching the world through sitcom eyes because it's almost like Kevin perpetually lives in a sitcom. But the reality is different than his zany ways. In reality, the world is much more dark. And that is when you have Annie and she is like, it's dark. It's gross. It's very Breaking Bad, you know? Like, it's just kind of ugly looking what their real life looks like. But it's a really cool series where you watch her sort of realize that her husband is really toxic. And you also watch her kind of gain self-confidence and become, you know, a little criminally adjacent kind of. Well, it would be very difficult to date the sitcom husband of any of those shows. Right, of course. Because every single day would be like, are you seriously doing this to us again? Are you, can't you just step up for a second? Why are you always this selfish? Why are you always doing hijinks? We are supposed to be a team. Exactly. (laughs) They are not a team. Oh, and I almost forgot because it was a while ago that I watched the season. But the whole thing is that she's decided she's going to kill him. And that's kind of fun. Right. And that's like first episode beautifulness. Yeah, exactly. And then the whole rest of the season is like her trying and, you know, how it goes down. Yeah. It's very kind yeah. of Breaking Bad, but in a new format. And it's awesome. I love it. We list, We actually watched the first episode for this podcast. That's true. We did. Which connects so nicely to my number nine because we watched the first episode for this podcast as well. And that is Lock and Key. That's not a 2021 show, is it? I... (gasps) No! You're right. It's 2020. You're so right, Ivana. Ivana, this is a 2020 show. I have screwed up our whole thing. You know what I'm going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. On our master list, I'll change things around. But I guess Lock and Key, which, by the way... If you haven't seen, really, really fun show. I didn't go on to the second season because I almost never do. But <laughs> the first season was great. I'm going to just move my number 11 up to my number 10. Yes. Because I definitely have a number 11. And that is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Oh, I'm so glad it's on your list. I didn't even watch it. Tell me about this show. Okay, so so just while we're playing at home, because I have clearly screwed up, and this is, you know, now, I mean, we could edit it, but we're already rolling, and we've got the, you know, we're just going to go with it. We're just going to go with it. So Falcon and the Winter Soldier is now in my number 10 spot with only murders in the building. In my number nine, Falcon and the Winter Soldier is this great buddy cop, PTSD style, uh, you know, terrorist marvel action thing and i i enjoyed it i know a lot of people really didn't enjoy the ending i thought the ending was like so comic per comic perfect with uh falcon's captain america costume that whatever was going on in that episode i was blown away because i was like how are they going to do this costume you don't even i'm telling becky because becky and i are watching together i'm like you don't even know. This costume's crazy. Like, I don't think they can make it. And they freaking made the costume. And I was blown away, guys, that they were able to make this thing. And I was like, this is amazing. So wait, does Falcon not 
so he gets a new costume at the end or like Falcon is the new Captain America if you've seen Endgame where at the end of the film Steve Rogers gives the shield to Anthony Mackie's character. I do remember that scene actually when you think about it. So this series he doesn't have the Captain America costume in the beginning. You get it at the end. So in this series it's what has happened after Endgame and he's donated the shield back to like Homeland Security and this museum. And he's like given up the shield and Bucky Barnes is pissed that like he and Cap had had this conversation about Anthony Mackie being the next Captain America. And now he's not even stepping up to be the next Captain America when that's what Steve Rogers wanted. Like it is a very interesting story about race and how you don't feel like you're worthy of something that was given to you. Um, There's this really powerful scene where he goes back to uh, Atlanta to meet up with his sister and his nephews, niece and nephew. And he goes to a bank and he can't even get a loan in the bank. And he's like, um, what? You know who I am. I'm the Falcon. Like it is, an interesting character study. Now. Oh, that's way more interesting than what I imagined the show was. Do I think that the villain is a little soft? I sure do. But I really, really like Falcon as Captain America. Uh, like I said, this was my number 11, but now has moved up to 10 in the moment. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I still really enjoyed this show. Um, not the best you know, Disney Plus show of 2021, I am certain we will get to one of the best. But, uh, yeah, I still think Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a really solid series. Okay, so new number 10, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Only Murders in the Building is my number 9. Ivana, what's your number 8 is what we are on now? All right, my number 8 is definitely not on your list because I remember you did not like. You threw some shade at this show. And it is White Lotus. White Lotus. Yes, not on my list. The White Lotus. I fucking love that show. I'm glad. This is what I'm saying. I knew you would carry the big heavy hitters on yours. Or, you know, we split the load. We split the load because Falcon and the Winter Soldier was a heavy hitter. I didn't watch it. But White Lotus. So White Lotus, for anyone who hasn't heard of it, it's an HBO show. And uh, it has some pretty amazing stars in it. And it's about these rich people who visit a resort in a beautiful beachside area. And also, we also follow the staff who work at the resort. It's funny and dark and kind of irreverent. I'm a big fan. Yeah, and I... Look, I thought the show was... Pleasant to look at. I thought it was really nice. It was gorgeous. And totally that's for sure. just not a show I would continue watching with my extremely limited attention span, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know what it is about TV these days, guys. I just lose interest and move on. So uh, I knew when we watched The White Lotus, and we talked about this. If you want to hear more about what we talked about, you can go back and check it out. I was like, I'm, I don't know why, but I'm just not there. I'm not as interested as you. But you were blown away by the series. You watched the whole thing. The whole thing. When we only had to watch one episode. 
Um, I knew it was coming up on your list. So, but yeah, you should definitely go back and listen to that episode. We, we did it. Okay. So my next one on my list is the first animated show that is, uh, hitting our top 10 turf war. And that is the Amazon prime show invincible. Oh, I'm so glad that did you watch invincible. No, it's on a lot of people's best lists. I, well, I watched, I think one episode, but I fell asleep and then I tried to watch it again and I fell asleep. And then I tried to watch it a third time and fell asleep and I gave up. (laughs) Well, I, I appreciate your, your commitment. You tried, you really did. Invincible is the story of a kind of like a superhero son who gets his superpowers from his father and his father's this like amazing superhero. Everybody loves him. And it's this world where there's teams and there's all kinds of villains everywhere. And, and it turns out to be a very bloody, very intense drama actually about what it really means to grow up as a teenager having superpowers and the cost that it takes on you. So what are like some of the costs of being a superhero in the show? Well, for starters, you get your ass almost beat to death on the daily. (laughs) And that is Invincible's problem is that he seems to just get pummeled a lot. Um, Also, really hard to date when you're trying to keep that secret identity going. Oh, yeah. Uh, That's true. And your parents aren't really sure they want you to be a superhero. So they're... (laughs) There's a lot of intrigue in this show and a crazy ending, like just a bonkers ending. And I'm not saying that you should keep going, Ivana, but I will say there's a great cameo voiceover from Seth Rogen. Ooh. Jason Manzukis. I love him. Plays one of the other superheroes as well throughout the entire story. And he's kind of a jerk and it's wonderful. So I, I'd recommend Invincible to anybody who like, Wants to sort of see something new from the genre because it's definitely new. I'm not going to say anything else. That's my number eight is Invincible. Maybe it's one of those shows where I just need to skip past like a few episodes and start in the middle. Because sometimes that helps me get into a show. Well, you definitely have to see the ending of season uh, or episode one because it's going to reveal something that you're going to be like, what? All right, maybe. And totally change the entire trajectory of the show. So you got to watch that first episode. Yeah, I've never gotten quite to the end there. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So we are on number seven. What is your number seven, Ivana? My number seven is is one that maybe is on your list, but probably not because I feel like if it would have been on your list, it would be have been in like the number 10 spot. But I'm going to give it a shot. I think it's great network television. Love it. You know, I don't I don't think people know how important and good network television can be. And it is it's amazing. home economics. Great comedy. We will talk about it later. Oh, yay. Okay, good. We will definitely talk about it later. As Along with my seventh seed here, number seven for me, I'm sure is higher on your list. And we're going to talk about Squid Game later. Oh, yeah. We're definitely going to talk about that later. (laughs) Okay. Number six. Oh, shit. We're going fast all of a sudden. So (laughs) I had never heard of this show. Literally came out of nowhere. So part of like my research is when when it starts getting like October, November, I start like really getting big on... Finding blogs and reviewers and websites that are telling what are the best shows of that year. 
And um, I noticed on the Rotten Tomatoes list that a little show called Starstruck had like a 100% Rotten Tomatoes rating. And uh, I thought, yeah, okay. I mean, sure, why not? I've never heard of this show, had no idea, and it blew me away. It's a comedy. I don't know anything about this show, just so you're aware. It's HBO Max, and I'm pretty sure it's like a British production because it's set in London, but you know, you never know. And it's about this girl who's like a millennial, and she's like a regular person who is beautiful, but like in the regular person kind of way, not in the movie star kind of way. And that is important because she hooks up with like one of the biggest stars on the planet, like an A-list celebrity. He is hot. I love it. And he is young. And the whole show, like the premise of the show is the two of them getting to know each other. And like, it's so interesting to see this relationship because he's this massive movie star and she is just a regular person. Sounds like Notting Hill a little bit. I've never seen Notting Hill. What? With Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts? Yeah. Yeah. I hate Pretty Woman. She's the biggest star on the planet and he's a bookshop owner? No. Yeah. No idea. No. Nothing. An unsuccessful travel bookshop owner, in fact? (laughs) Never seen that movie. It. I didn't like Pretty Woman, so I didn't see why I would watch any rom-com with Julia Roberts. I mean, that's reason right there. Okay. So this is, uh, it sounds very similar, but it also sounds like... It's a lot of fun. Yeah, like it's a little bit. She's like really funny. So like she as a character is kind of like a comedian. My guess is the actor who plays her and I don't know anything about her. I'm just looking her up right now. Her name is Rose Matafeo. I hope I'm not butchering the pronunciation. And she she's just funny. So I imagine she's a stand up. She's great. She's so fucking funny. And the movie star is played by a man named Nikesh Patel. And his name is Tom. And he's like this massive movie star. And the two of them have great chemistry. You just want to see how this relationship plays out. And I'm not even going to say how it plays out. In what way. How it proceeds. The hookup is right away. And then from there on, it's actually a surprise. So I'll just kind of leave it at that. Okay. All right. So that's a new one for me. You said it was on... HBO Max. HBO Max, which means HBO through Crave in Canada. Okay, Crave in Canada. I love it. You're listening at home. You're looking for something starstruck. Sounds like to a winner, at least, to Ivana. And one that I haven't heard of. I'm so glad you found that, Ivana. Yeah. All right, so let's go from something super obscure to one of the biggest shows of the year, which was... Disney Plus is Hawkeye. You know what? I never even watched Hawkeye. Tell me about it. Because you did make me think that I should watch it. Best part about Hawkeye is that it introduces to the MCU Kate Bishop, played by Haley Steinfeld. She's a larger than life, fun, bubbly personality who, you know, became an archer because she saw Hawkeye doing it in 2012 while the, uh, you know, destruction of New York was happening. And she thought he was the greatest superhero and she became an archer and a martial artist. And as it turns out, she ends up meeting her favorite person in the world and her idol. And it is, uh, it's a really, really fun, wholesome Christmas show. 
I thought she was the and thief. No, she is not the bad guy. She is a good guy. Well, I know she's a good Always guy, a good but guy. I thought she was like, you know, a thief, like an anti-hero. Nope, you... No, she's not. She's <laughs> not at all. She, uh, She's trying to... She's trying to like... Well, I don't want to say. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to say any of it. But it's very, very cool. There's a huge cameo in it. There's two huge cameos in it, in fact. And one of my favorite comics of all time is the Hawkeye run that this is loosely based on. And I think they nail it. So I will just say, if you haven't seen Hawkeye, you're into superheroes, you're into the MCU. Why haven't you watched this yet? Christmas is over. It was a perfect Christmas show because it all takes place in New York City at Christmas time. Good old New York. All these New York shows. I feel like we have a theme this year, a New York theme going on. All right. We are into the bottom five, Whoa. which means I think there's at least one more crossover show coming, I think, for both of our lists. Uh, maybe two, but probably just one. And I am kicking it over to you, Ivana. Number five. I don't know if you really watched this show. I don't know if you did. It is a Netflix show, and it came out early in 2021. And man, did it blow me away. And it is coming back for a second season. Who knows when, but at some point. Ginny and Georgia. Amazing. This show was so fun. Such a delight. I don't even know what genre I would say it is. It's dramedy, maybe. Like, it's not funny it's not a comedy but it's light it's not a drama um so it's a real delight to put on you have the two lead actors it's about a young mom who had a child when she was you know a teenager and her daughter who is now a teenager and like coming into her own and you know getting into guys and getting into trouble and just exploring her way through kind of life and growing up and all that kind of stuff and also exploring herself as a teenager under the shadow of her hot ass mom who's super fucking young and everyone thinks she's so hot <laughs> so it's it's just really fun it's a great show i highly recommend it Ginny and georgia had some controversy i think with some taylor swift joke I think at the time when it first came out, there was a Taylor Swift joke. There sure was. Swifties, Swifties got on her about it. It was um, like the stupidest thing on the planet. And the actress, I remember she like retaliated and was like, this show is not about perfection. It's about imperfect characters who say imperfect things. People are going to be people, right? People going to people. Exactly. By the way, for anyone who's wondering, the Taylor Swift joke was like something along the lines of like, Throwing shade at her mom for having a lot of boyfriends and that kind of thing. And like Taylor Swift having a lot of boyfriends. I mean, that's pretty small potatoes. I think even. Exactly. You know, well, you know what? Let's not say it. The Swifties will come after this podcast. We, we, we <laughs> can just not say anything in this unless, moment. Unless the Swifties come after us, but it gets everyone to know who we are. And suddenly the podcast blows up. That would be very interesting. But then I feel like. Taylor Swift will hate me and I do and we both do enjoy her music I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift she's fucking amazing all right so Ginny and Georgia hit your list at number five yeah what's your I'm number thinking, five 
I'm thinking my number five's on your list. So I'm just going to put WandaVision out there. Are we oh, going to yeah, be yeah. talking hold, about WandaVision? Hold the, hold the phone. Put a pin yeah. in that one. That yeah. is coming up later. <laughs> nope. I totally understand. And I knew it was going to be on there. So we're on to number four now. See, I knew there was at least one more piece of crossover here. All right. Okay. Uh, maybe this one is going to be a crossover. If you ever watched it, Jay, I did assign it to you as homework. Multiple times. Multiple times. Yes, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the show is another Netflix series, and it is called Midnight Mass. Yeah, I tried. You, I really tried. How many episodes? You, you know how many episodes. I give it the one. I give it the one episode, and it moves so damn slow that I was like, I don't care what these monsters are. I don't care what these creatures are in this first episode. Not intriguing enough. You know what was really intriguing? Directed by Mike Flanagan. And I'm like, Mike, how did you make something that bored me this much? It is literally, I mean, it's my number four, Jay. It's my number four. I know you would like it. You need to keep going. I hate to say it to you, but it is homework. Just keep going. Maybe even skip the second episode. Just go right to episode three. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. You want to know something? You want to know what that runtime is on that first episode? 59 minutes. Who the fuck does that? A Netflix person because there's no reason to care how long your show is. Put it on network television, Netflix. Put it on network television. Make them right for the commercials. It'll be amazing. Look, this show is amazing. So first of all, Mike Flanagan is like super famous for especially recently um the haunting of hill house and the haunting of bly manor but he also did doctor sleep and oculus was a really good horror from him as well so he does horror really well and i have not seen a treatise or treatise i don't know how you're supposed to say that word actually i've only really read it I've only, he does a treatise of like, what does religion mean? And like, is religion good or bad? And he's like legitimately asking that question in the show with curiosity. Like he's like looking at the good and the bad and he's sort of asking the viewers to say, well, what do you think? That's what this TV show is about. This TV show is like, literally asking itself and and honestly not sure of the answer it feels until the very end really and even then you know there's you know some thoughts that you can have and pluses and minuses and I don't know I've just I've never seen such an honest and like thoughtful depiction about whether or not religion is good or bad ultimately in society I've never seen that on television. It blew me away. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, that was beautiful. I promise you I will go on with it, but I'm going to go on with it while doing other things. I'm going to do a puzzle or something. Oh yeah. Puzzle is good. It will be on in the background. I'm not going to give it every bit of attention until it, snaps into me the way that you are talking because my guess is that second episode is another 59 minute episode 
And I don't get it, man. I was just thinking, like, you might even want to just skip to the third episode. Like, there's some stuff that happens in the second episode that's pretty key. But I don't think you'll catch up. You're smart. You you will catch up. Just skip to the third episode. Oh, I, I know what... I have a feeling I know what's going on with this new preacher who's come to town. <laughs> uh, and I And I dig it a lot. Can I get a prediction? In my head, I'm like, yeah. I'm like, I dig this. I want to see... I want to get your prediction. So there's a new preacher who came into town. What do you yeah. think... What do you think the deal is? Because... This is right, kind of so fun. So straight up, okay, I'm going to predict it, okay? Yeah. Straight up, and I'm not trying to ruin it for anybody if I, if I get this right or not. And if I get it right, And I won't even say. Even say. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone whether Jake got it right or wrong. So this is going to be But there is, there is a creature eating cats in the first episode. There sure is. A lot is. of cats on this, like, this island thing. And this is, like... A creature with glowing eyes, thin, looks like, you know, a creepy, stocky night creature. And it looks like these cats may have been bit. So then we get this new preacher to the 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 thing. And I'm like, you know, if I was an eternal vampire creature, I would work for the church. Because they move my ass around a lot. A lot. And that was the idea that went in my head. So you think the preacher and the creature are one and the same? I don't think they're the same. I think that thing running around the monsters is one of the victims of Old Man Preacher. Because Old Man Preacher is also like hanging around like an open box of dirt and that was like very vampire-y now i could totally be wrong and the thing in the box of dirt could be the thing he's guarding let me in style sorry let the right one in style very possible but i did think to myself if i were a vampire who lived forever i would want to get hired by the church because they move my ass around when bad things happen at the church. And I'd never lose my job. And I could stay young forever and no one would remember me because I'm just being shipped around all over the world all the time. And I was like, that's a good cover. I like that cover for a vampire. All right. I am very excited about this. And you know what? I mean, okay, small spoiler here. I'm just going to say that you're right about the vampire thing because you, you, you know and you're going to see it. That's not a big You surprise. pretty much know right off the bat when somebody drags a giant box full of dirt into a room and they open it and there's thudding from the box. That's a vampire in there. That's a Dracula. Yeah. Yeah. There and the and the as you said, the cats and the blood and so so that's correct, but you're not entirely correct. And I'm happy to say that because the show has some good twists. So I think this is going to be a fun ride. I will put it on in the background until it catches me. I will give you that much. I love it. Because I did like what you said about religion. And there, there is a character in it who in that first episode, at least that I watched that was, you know, kind of challenging the new priest because he wore a certain color. And it's like, dude, is that really what you're going to get hung up on here? Or are you going to get hung up on 
He wants to do good in this community for a couple weeks before he takes off. Like, come on, man. Like, come on. Don't, that don't lady get hung up like on that, the ritual. That crazy ritual lady, she's one of my favorite characters in the show. You just hate the fuck out of her. Well, I will say that Mike Flanagan for me, like I, I loved Oculus. Uh or I liked Oculus. I don't know if I entirely understood Oculus when I left the theater, but I did like it. Um, but then he did, then I saw Ouija origin of evil. Oh, I, never and I had saw seen that. the original Ouija. Well, I saw the original Ouija and I was like, this is hot trash. And then everybody said that Ouija origin of evil was a really good slick movie. Uh, that was a prequel and Mike Flanagan directed it and did, did something very creative with it. And I was like, okay, I'll check that out. And I loved Ouija origin of evil. It felt very much like old omen exorcist type style, interesting, slow burn, evil kid, that sort of thing. I'm going to watch Origin uh, of Evil. That sounds amazing. Origin of Evil was really good. Ouija was really not good, but Origin of Evil I really enjoyed. I assume I can Uh, skip. And Doctor Sleep. I'm such a fan of Doctor Sleep. For every reason that The Shining is not Doctor Sleep... Uh, I, I still love them both. I both, I think they're too different to like really be like, this is a sequel to the shining, even though yes, it's a sequel, but they're so different in tone. Like one is a full on adventure and the other is a, like a blazing psychological horror. And I just, I like them both. And I really enjoyed Dr. Sleep. I thought it was so much fun. I think maybe I'll have to check out doc, like more of his stuff because like, I didn't watch Dr. Sleep precisely because I heard it was very different from um, The Shining, and I love The Shining. So I was like, oh, maybe it's going to ruin The Shining for me, and I should just stay away. It feels like a good old-fashioned adventure is what it feels like with Danny Torrance. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, it's it's optimistic, but also it's got brutal parts. Okay. Um, and I won't tell you about the third act because eh, the third act is fine, but it's... It's like the new Ghostbusters. It hinges really, really too much on the original. Well, all right. Well, what's your number four? Because we're like. Right. We are. We are flying. Number we're flying. four. My number four. All right. So we've got another animated feature, another animated TV show coming up. And this is one that I can say both the first and second part came out in 2021. And that is Masters of the Universe Revelations. Ivana. I'm looking at your face. You did not even watch this. You don't even know that this came out. Correct. I mean, I think I heard, I think I heard the Masters of the Universe came out because, you know, like, I know He-Man was a thing, but I don't, I didn't ever really watch He-Man, so. So, it's written by Kevin Smith. Oh, shit. And, oh, shit. And... Masters of the Universe, you just think, oh, this is He-Man. It's like, you know, what could this be? Well, what would happen if you killed He-Man in the first 10 minutes of your show? What? What? It happens. Wait, first 10 so the He-Man show. show kills He-Man? Does he come back? Is he a zombie? zombie that He-Man? entire first season explores deeply all the characters that you may or may not remember from the show. That every single character in that show was like one dimensional bullshit 
four babies characters, right? And they go into really amazing detail about how these characters, one, live in a world without He-Man now, and two, are very much like, are they going to still be heroic? Are they, you know, who had a falling out? Who walked away? Like, it's it's crazy. Uh, and I watched the first four episodes, I think the first four or five episodes, in a night. I was like, this is so cool. And you know what it felt like? And I don't say this lightly. Anybody who knows me knows I do not say this lightly. It felt like Lord of the Rings style storytelling by Kevin Smith. You lost me at bringing in Lord of the Rings. (laughs) I know. I know. I know. I don't know if it's for you, but it's all character. All character study. Like and that's what doesn't what feel like Lord of the, the Rings. <laughs> what are you talking about? Well, fair enough. Fair enough. Everybody's kind of an archetype in Lord of the Rings. But it's that sprawling epic is what this feels like. Because they go all over this universe uh, that they've built, this Eternia. They go all over it. And even to places I don't want to talk about, but it's fantastic. And then there's a, a second season that came out or a second part. I'm not sure what they're calling it. Did you watch it? It's nowhere near. Yeah. It's nowhere near as like powerful as that first part. Does He-Man come back in part two? Just have to find out. I mean, he's dead. How is he coming back? This is the fantasy worlds of these things. But anyway, I was shocked. And a lot of people I know online were like, that's bullshit. How can you kill He-Man? <laughs> How can you kill He-Man? I don't know. To get this really interesting story about all these characters who are not freaking He-Man. It was so good. And and I know a buddy of mine uh, is probably listening and going like, yeah, man, I totally agree. Because he's the one who said you have to check it out. And I, I was so glad that I did. Because I mean, it really is epic storytelling. I am just going to say that... You had me at Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, just to go on a little tangent, because we've been going kind of fast and we might as well go on a little tangent. Not every movie he's made is brilliant, but regardless. And I haven't seen every movie he's made. Like, I, I truly haven't. But I've seen an awful lot of his stuff. And, um... I mean, he's one of the bigs. Like, to me, he is an event director. Not for everything per se, but for most things, yes. Well, it is a fascinating little story from a toy-making company, really. Like, it's just very, very interesting how he made, for me, this world, like, so interesting and brought all these characters, new life, um... Because I was a kid when I watched that show and I, I and I tried when I was an adult to watch it again because I was like, I wonder what this was like. Like, I loved it as a kid and it's garbage. Like, the show is hot trash. It is so, this is a good guy and this is a bad guy and they going to fight. <laughs> this is not that show. This is very much for adults, not that show. Um, and they play a little into the nostalgia, but it's not about that. It's... It's all about the characters surrounding this He-Man. All right, number three for you. We're top this three is now. Can you believe the it? The big top one. Three. Top three. That's massive. 
And I'm actually really happy with my top three. I think I have a good top three. Number three is one I don't think you've seen. And I don't know if you've even heard of. Probably not. HBO is killing it in 2021 with sex lives of college girls. Uh, Very intriguing title. What's it about? And don't say sex lives of college girls. I mean, yes, there's that. But it's about four girls and they're all roommates and they're in a college dorm and they live in one of those dorms. You know, the ones where it's like um, a living room and kitchen and, and a bathroom that everyone shares. And then each girl has their own bedroom and they all kind of share that unit in res. And they're all freshmen and they're different and they happen to be roommates together. And it's just literally about them growing up and going to college and getting in deep with boys and getting in deep with girls and you know is it a getting comedy? really excited about comedy oh yeah it's a comedy it's definitely it's like um kind of like the new girls meet sex in the city kind of thing like that's basically oh. the, the kind of like realm it lives in but like it's fresh so it's not like sex in the city is kind of tired and girls was like brilliant but then like hard to watch because like these girls were horrible and it was hard to watch how horrible they were and this is like I actually love every single one of the main characters every single one of them she has good parts she has bad parts but you know what I fucking love her and I will I will be there till the day she dies like it it really brought a lot of nostalgia I create I like reached out to all my like roommates from university and I was like girls oh my god you have to see this show it's us like (laughs) so so it's one of those like you know you if if you're a girl and you are at in college or have been in college there is going to be something here for you I think it's you know universal for everyone but there's a little bit of a different experience because it really just brought me back to like my friendships with my girlfriends in university and that's such a like great time in life and this show just makes me so happy i love this show that does sound really really good ivana my number three it's another animated another one wow okay do you like archer i do like archer who doesn't like archer right archer is (laughs) awesome hey do you like jason sudeikis I love Jason Sudeikis. What if I told you there was an Archer-like cartoon starring the voice talent of Jason Sudeikis and a monkey? I'm intrigued, but I don't know if I'm so intrigued by the monkey. Okay, so let me break it down for you. Jason Sudeikis did a Marvel series as this hitman who goes to kill these people and he doesn't get paid money and he gets double crossed. And it's, uh, it's in a place in, I believe it's in Japan and these people gun him down and these monkeys find him and they drag him into this healing pool. (gasps) I know what you're thinking. This is ridiculous. And it is. It's (laughs) so ridiculous. And as it turns out, you know, while Jason Sudeikis is being like kind of a dick, but also like just that bro that you always want around, even when he is kind of an ass, you just want him around because he's fun. You know, he ends up getting murdered 
And one of the monkeys that has been taking care of him, who he kind of had an altercation with, he had an altercation with the monkey, um, decides that he's going to avenge. <laughs> this fucking monkey is going to avenge his what whole clan. What is going who was on in this crazy show? <laughs> but, but Jason Sudeikis' ghost is attached to this monkey and he can Wait. talk to the monkey. What? So he's not in the monkey. He's not controlling the monkey. He's just hanging around the monkey and he, as a ghost. And he could chat with the monkey and be like, yo, monkey, go do this. Does the monkey talk? Be, no, man. The monkey's a monkey. What? <laughs> but the <laughs> I can't even right now. What the hell is this crazy show? (laughs) And the monkey turns into a hitman. And the show is called Hit Monkey. And and the monkey is like savage as all hell. Wait, so so the ghost of Jason Sudeikis, who insults a monkey, ends up haunting the monkey. Yes, and, he ends up haunting the monkey. And then he tells the monkey to go and kill people for him. And the monkey's like, yes? Pretty much. Wow. What a concept. I'm telling you. I'm Wait, telling this, you right now. Hold the phone. How is this a Marvel show? Is there a comic with a killing exactly. ghost monkey? Exactly. Exactly. This was like probably some one-off Marvel comic that came out of it. It is so rated R. I can't even tell you how rated R it is. Wow. There's a scene in this show where a monkey fights a sumo wrestler who, again, I can't stress this enough. It's a monkey (laughs) fighting a sumo wrestler with freaking lightning bolts shooting from his feet. Wait, when did the monkey get superpowers? No, the monkey has no superpowers, but apparently this sumo wrestler guy does. What? Somehow, somehow, there are zero rules in this weird universe. This sounds like the most ridiculous shit that I honestly, I have to watch this just out of that. Like, what is this concept? Put this down. I could not put it down. I swear to God, I couldn't stop watching this nonsense. It was like, oh my God. And Jason Sudeikis, the shit he says in this show to this monkey is at, it's the best. It's like if Ted Lasso is the nicest person in the world, this character in this show is the worst. And he just like says awful shit Wait, to the monkey. Wait, he's mean to his monkey? He's oh, got nothing he's not, without the monkey. He's got nothing. He's got nothing without the monkey. He he's only just has the monkey. But he's a a monkey. So he's like, okay, monkey, can you like, you know, not. He's like, they're like in this, this security prison. And he's like, okay, so you're going to want to press. And the monkey like just slams his paw down. He's like, oh my God. Like paw mashing is not helping anybody monkey. Okay. Like, (laughs) fuck. (laughs) Like, Like it's just, he's just so, I don't know. It's amazing. It's beyond bizarre. It's a Marvel show, so it's on Disney Plus, and I watched it so quickly because I was like, I can't stop. This is, it's insane. 
All right, I have to ask a question. I feel like everyone who's listening is also thinking about this question. And and to our audience, if you're not thinking about this question, am I broken or are you? <laughs> but here's the question. <laughs> um, I don't know what type of primate likes to sling poo. I'm not that knowledgeable about the primate. Totally. Please tell I thought me this too. that at one moment the monkey's going to like... Throw some poop. Is throw poop, poop throwing part of the show? It's not really. Like, this monkey watches Jason Sudeikis when he's alive. And, like, gunning people down and stuff. So he sort of mimics him. So he's, like, really just fighting with all of it. And giving it a, like, for the most part, the monkey just is monkeying. Like, think of, it's not a chimpanzee. But... You know the stories about chimpanzees like ripping off people's faces? It's like that level of crazy. Oh. Yeah, chimpanzees yeah. are like I know and I know at least that chimpanzees are intense and bonobos are quite yeah. nice. But this monkey can fire a gun, so he doesn't really need to fire like poop off some feces as well. But at the same time But I time, definitely had that same I definitely had that same thought. I don't I know about like, you, but if like there's a monkey type animal involved and again to anyone who knows more about primates than me, I have no idea which one of them throws poop. <laughs> but I just want to see some poop thrown in someone's face because that sounds real funny. <laughs> I also want to just point out to anybody listening, the monkey is the moral center of the show. The brutal monkey that kills people by ripping their faces off? Because the monkey has a code. He's got a code. He's a hit monkey with a code. Oh, my God. I don't even understand. You're, like, making my brain so confused right now. It's so funny. Honestly, Becky, like, had to come out and be like, what are you laughing this loud at? And I'm like, it's just a monkey. It's a monkey. <laughs> like, honestly. But Hit Monkey hit me really hard. I didn't expect it. I thought it was going to suck. It had the Marvel logo on it. I hit play, and I didn't stop. Number three. Wow, I like it. That's a good number three. And I kind of like that neither of us had really heard anything about the others, number three. There's a certain symmetry involved there. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So what is your next one? And is our symmetry going to find itself? Because we have three shows in common and we only have four picks left between us. So I think maybe. So the first pick that I will bring forth is Squid Game. Boom. All right, so Squid Game was my number seven. And my number two. Um, Do you want to talk about the show or should I? Okay, so Squid Game is fantastic. It's a really great show. Like, it's really interesting. You're always wondering what the next game's going to be. The only reason Squid Game for me is not higher on my list. Two reasons. One... Turns out it's not a limited series, and that really bummed me out. And I also didn't love the ending of the show. The beginning of the show, I was so intrigued for like the first three, four episodes. And they they make a choice in the second episode that I think is the best thing about the show. Agreed. Period. I've never seen anything like it. Never seen that in the genre of Battle Royale type shit. Yep. I've never even like it's amazing. But by the end of the show, I kind of was like, okay, well, like 
I guess this is the end of the show. And I didn't like how it ended as well. Whereas the other things on my list, I kind of did have, I was very satisfied by them. So that's why Squid Game's lower on my list. But Ivana, we aren't spoiling for people. Why is it your number two? Well, for anyone who doesn't know what it's about, um, and I'm going to do it real fast because mostly everyone on this planet knows about Squid Game. Um, it's, it's living in the genre of movies like Battle Royale or Hunger Games where the basic premise is you put a bunch of people together and you force them to essentially fight for their lives, whether it's against each other or against challenges, and literally losing causes them to die. But winning in this case gives them a shit ton of money. Um, And this movie, or this show I should say, is very much like concerned about um, the economy and like the situation that plagues many people, which is that they're living at the poverty line. And, and it really, I think, like does that in a real earnest manner. So it takes this fantastical genre that we've all seen before, which is put people together, force them to fight for their lives, literally, and sometimes against each other. And, and it makes it just elevates it because now we're talking about our planet and our world. And that was the other kind of cool and interesting innovation in this like TV show. And for me, it's number two. I should say this. It's number two because this genre has been around for a while. It has certain rules. I'm a big fan of the genre. And this like completely reinvents the genre and reassesses what the rules of the genre are and it elevates it to like this new place. I agree with everything that you said. Like I do also agree with you. The ending was a little weak and I was disappointed to hear that there would be a second season. I don't know that it was planned. I think that the show was just such an unexpected hit that um, that's how it got the second season. And probably, I mean, there was a lot of money thrown, I bet. It's not that I have a problem really with it being a second season. I'm not going to watch a second season. I think I'm good. But it's how it ended because it ends. I don't want to say how it ends, but I'm like, you're an idiot. Like, you're just an idiot. Like, I did not like the way it ended. I, I didn't I, like a couple of things in the end. I also didn't like the ending. And to be honest, I didn't even like the twist of the ending. Like, as soon as they revealed that twist, and there was a twist. I was disappointed in that, too. It was more I was very disappointed. Before. Yeah, like, yeah. I was like, oh, yep. shit. I, I was, too. And this is what I'm kind of saying about how at the beginning of this, I was like, 2021 was like an okay year. Because I'm having, like, I've got shows in my, like, top seven where... Half of them were great, and the other half I was, like, a little let down by. Totally, totally. And for me, well, you know me. I'm a genre nerd, and so I'm just going to more heavily weight that kind of stuff. Like, to me, if you change a genre, that's significant. That means people are going to be studying yeah. this shit. Like, you know, like in a film class or a TV class down the road. Like, so... I always kind of like that's very important to me and I think that 
weighed heavily in the standing. And also, to be fair, until the end, I was not disappointed. Like, it it really took all the way yeah, to the Yeah, until end. the end, I was I was really into it. There were the the last two games. I was kind of like, all right. Well, the last I like game, the other games, but more. they kind of did it anticlimactically. Yeah, they did. Right, it felt yeah. like they they had this high that they were riding, and then the last game was like rushed. Yeah, okay, whatever. It was rushed. Um, it was rushed, but it was really, really like a fun show. I definitely binged the crap out of it. I, I, I didn't stop. Um, but I was a little, I just was a little taken aback. But that's why it's a little further the back. The sour taste I, that in your does mouth not, left a lot of feels. That's what it But that does like. not discount that this is such a fantastic, revolutionary, amazing show. And we haven't even mentioned the fact that it's, you know, it did so well. And it's a Korean show. This is like the second major media property from Korea in so many years that has captured an entire generation in the North America. So, uh, you know, that's awesome for inclusion. That's awesome for South Korea pushing has new been stories. making really good movies forever there. Uh, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm back at school. I am going to producing school because you know, it, it's not just acting now for me. It's also producing. And I figured I need to actually get some like, you know, fundamental knowledge. Mostly actually it's the accounting stuff that I really want to figure out. But um, the the cool thing is that South Korea has been making like freaking amazing stuff. And my professor was saying that they've been punching above their weight class in terms of the quality of content for decades. And I agree Absolutely. with that. Because like their shit always looks good. Did you ever watch Always that one? looks great. Where, uh, I don't remember the name of it, but it's a horror kind of thriller. Um, there's a serial killer and there is a cop who is engaged or married to a pregnant woman. I think she's pregnant. I saw the devil. Yes, I saw the devil. That's it. Did you watch fantastic. it? It's Absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic film. Yeah. The cat and mouse Absolutely game fantastic. of the serial killer and the like police officer who is there to avenge. The police officer catches him and lets him go so he can catch him again. Well, and then also give him dread because when you think about it, the catching oh. and releasing and the catching and releasing, yes. it's like it creates dread and hope, right? Like hope that can he kill the cop and dread that will he be caught again and when it's will be the last time so interesting and there's so many films from south korea like that uh that are just awesome it's they're doing amazing things uh and squid game is one of them but my number two is not it's definitely something we've already talked about oh what's your number two it is and it's high on this list it is a network comedy that we already mentioned. It's Home Economics. Woohoo! I love that show. It's so good. So you good. You know what's crazy is that Home Economics is your seven. Squid Game is my seven. Oh my God. And we God. just reverse them. Squid How Game is we... your two and Home Economics is my two. And both of our number three choices were things that we hadn't heard of. This is really weird. Spooky. Home Economics. If you were looking... For a new, funny, family sitcom. 
It is home economics. This show is about three siblings who are all at different levels of income. Also at different feeling stages in their life, but they're all sort of around the same age. And they are just this really weird family who's trying to keep up with each other and just be together. And honest to God, you got Topher Grace, who's one of the leads. He's writing a book on his family. So he's the narrator of the whole thing. Then you've got the sister who she's, she's probably the poorest of everybody. She's She's a hundred percent. He's, she's like poor. He's middle-class and his brother is like insanely rich. And, and his brother's insanely rich. The brother is like divorced and insanely rich. Uh, the sister is in a, she's married lesbian couple. Mm-hmm. And, um, and Topher Grace is like married to a woman and has kids. And the best part of the show, I think is the in-laws looking in on this weird, wacky family, which is the wife of the sister and the wife of Topher Grace. And their friendship is awesome as well. Because it is. they're, I love their it's friendship. built, it's built on like, Look at these crazy people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Look at these siblings. And I just want to clarify just for anyone who's watching the show. When we said the younger, the sister is the poor one. It's TV poor the same way that the kids and the people and friends had like these crazy apartments, but were also poor. You know what I mean? Like they're still right. middle class, it, yeah. but probably like lower middle class to like upper middle class to like insane. That's average. right. That's right. They're not at like the poverty line or anything. They both have jobs. They're just actually not and, really because one they, of them, when the show opens, I think got laid oh, off. She doesn't. Ha- she just got laid off. That's yeah. right. So yeah. money is money is tighter at the beginning of the show. I forgot about that. The um, the interesting thing is that they live in the inner city, so their place is smaller because they're in an apartment building. And then you have the suburbs, middle class, and then you have like the rich area. And there's a great. I know I'm mixing up my seasons because it's in season two now, but there's a great Halloween episode where like the rich dad takes his daughter trick or treating and he's exhausted because the houses are so far away. (laughs) 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 Anyway, with that said, the best trick or treating is is obviously in the suburb middle class because the houses are closer together. So you get more in the end. (laughs) That's right. You get more in the end and it's better like, because in the apartment building, sometimes they don't all like I live in an apartment building and we don't do it. We don't have enough kids coming to the door, so we don't do it at all. So, you know, definitely the suburbs is the place to be. The The thing that makes it all work is the characters are really, really good. The, uh, and the supporting characters are even better. Like yep. the supporting characters are even better than the real characters or the main characters. I should say not the real. They're all real characters. It was the very beginning of last year. So we're already deep into the second season, which guys, I'm still watching this show. That is so bizarre for me <laughs> to watch a second season. Because it's show. a really good network comedy. Network comedies can be amazing. This is like, you know what this show scratches the itch from? Modern Family. It's not like Modern totally. Family. Totally. I'm not saying it's Modern Family, but it scratches that itch. It really does. Yes. So Home Economics, 
you know, you've you've just finished Superstar on Netflix. You're looking for a new comedy. Go watch Home Economics. It's a, I think it's the best comedy on television today. And if you're in the states, also you know, so Hulu, you get all the network comments, so content. So yeah, 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 yeah. Hulu, I'm a big Hulu, Hulu fan. I have Hulu. <laughs> all right. It's all right. Ta- oh I my know God. what your number one is. You tell number everybody one. else what it is. So I can't believe we're here, and you're right; it's already given away. Um, my number one show of the year is a Marvel series. Oh my God! One Division. <laughs> I think we have covered off so many, so many like Marvel series collectively on our list. They obviously are putting out. Well, you know what? Like Disney is putting the budget behind the content too. And it shows, you know, it really shows. So one division is my number five. And I, I thought it was just a fantastic uh, exercise in grief. And what happens to a superhero when they're grieving? I I loved the dynamic of each episode as a different decade of television. I love the reason why she's grieving in these TV shows. Totally makes sense to me who, when I'm feeling sad, throws on something media-wise. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and then it ends with... Oh God, that ending is is very powerful. I I took it away very differently than a lot of people did, um, because she's basically enslaved a town throughout the course of the show. That's correct. She wakes up to that kind of as the show goes on. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really giving her anything away. You kind of learn really quickly, like, oh, she did something to this town. Um, oh yeah, first episode you're aware of all of this stuff. Also like Yeah, I, yeah. It's also I think everybody in the world fell in love with WandaVision in the same way that they did Squid Game. I feel like I'm not giving away too too much here. If you're not if you're not a Marvel person, you're probably not even going to watch it. So, but you should because Ivana is going to tell you why. Okay, here's the thing. It's a an ode and a love story to the sitcom. Like, that's the thing about the show that just stole my heart. It stole my heart because I have watched, I haven't, well, like, you know, I haven't seen all the old sitcoms or anything, but I've certainly watched a lot of sitcoms from, you know, years so far beyond, before I was ever born that, like, I feel like I kind of connect to the history of the comedy television show. Honestly, if I could, if I had to pick, like, a type of tv that's my absolute favorite it's the sitcom and to see this level of talent that is in the show also everyone that's in the show are like performing at their top like peak like capability like everyone no one phoned in a performance here everyone felt like they were committed to respecting the story about grief and respecting everything that the history of television and sitcoms has brought to the world today. And then on top of that, respecting the MCU and the like interconnected nature of this new comic book world we live on, the show just respects everything. It's funny. It has a great cast. It brings in lots of Easter eggs. You're wondering who's this person? Who's that person? We're going to introduce like people who are going to be in movies later 
I mean, there's the whole Doctor Strange thing. The show's just great, and it is about Wanda Maximoff, and she is so upset that she has lost Vision. We all know this because, you know, Marvel movies. And, <laughs> and, and she just breaks, and the way that she breaks is through essentially creating a, a safe spot for her, a world that she can escape into where Vision is still there and he's still alive and um, everything is good and they can have babies and have the life that they've always wanted and it's so fun. Her performance, I just want to say Elizabeth Olsen in this show, I was blown away every step of the way. The way she speaks, she studied like the intonations of the decades and each episode she like slightly changes her mannerisms and way of speaking to fit with the genre it's pretty fucking cool it's very nuanced Catherine Hahn steals the show she just steals it so like every episode every episode and whenever she does it with the wink the goddamn wink love it and uh, and to jump into the MCU part as well I'm not going to mince words here. I do not like Spider-Man Far From Home. What? I don't like Far From Home at all. Everyone, but everyone loves Far From Home. Everyone. Everybody does not love Far From Home. I'm sure a lot of people do. I, I did enjoy No Way Home, which is in theaters right now. If that's the one you're thinking about. Oh, that's the one I'm thinking of. Sorry, I forget. I did enjoy Spider-Man No Way Home, but I did not like... Far from home because they took this approach with the blip that, you know, oh yeah, okay, so that was that weird thing that happened where now we're all back five years later and no problem, the blip, ha ha ha. And it, it was like, that would have been chaos. That would have been the worst. Like, it would have been so hard for people to have grieved that people were gone for five years instantly get everybody back and everybody's at different stages in their life. It would have been a mess and far from home. Didn't really address any of that. They didn't really, it was like in a quick segment and I was like, this is terrible. And then we never really talked about it again. WandaVision shows you how horrifying at the hospital it is when everybody starts coming back and how real that actually is. And then how it affects her because she doesn't have her job anymore. And I'm like, this is this is what we should have just had. Far From Home can go away. I would have loved No Way Out. Uh, sorry. I would have no loved way No Way Home. Like anytime after WandaVision. Because it works well really after WandaVision. But Far From Home was too light. And, and after what happened with Endgame, it sucked. In my opinion. But... This is like the true moment that happens after Endgame. If we're talking about Marvel, like skip far from home, Spider-Man far from home, him going on a weird trip to go like, you know, who cares? I, I, I've seen it's like a half hour of it. Like I was, I don't know how I randomly got into the middle. He takes of it, a I, trip to Europe. He goes to Europe and he gets excited to yep. see Zendaya. <laughs> yep. Sure. Glad you like her. Don't care. WandaVision is the real next point after Endgame. Yeah, that's fair. That is very fair. All right. So WandaVision is both really high on our list. My number one, we haven't we haven't said it. It hasn't happened. Oh, wow. Okay, what is it? So 
My number one, it's a show that came out on Amazon Prime near the beginning of 2021. It had a little bit of fanfare, but then it died out. And it's called It's a Sin. Oh, you know what? I saw it on a list today while I was being like, oh, should I like try to like get in a few more episodes of shows? Tell me about it. I'm just on the IMDb page and it says Max Original. So maybe in the States it is uh, HBO Max, but I'm pretty sure I watch it on Prime Video. It is about four friends. Could be a Canadian thing. It's about four friends. They're living in the gay village in London right before the AIDS epidemic. Oh. They are, uh, you know, loving their life, living the best life that they can. Basically living the kind of 20-something life that we remember living. And just, you know, all of a sudden people start dying. And they're dying at crazy rates. And... They're not being talked about it. And gay people at that moment in time are not even, you know, being considered. They're, they're people saying that this is their fault if they didn't engage and all this garbage. And it's a really hard hitting drama with incredibly likable characters. And you watch them go through history. And it broke my heart to watch. And I, I saw it in maybe February of last year, of 2021. I have not forgotten any of it. I think wow. about it often, and I, I love everything about it. Neil Patrick Harris is in the first episode. He's in a lot of the stills on their IMDb page, more than if he's only in the one episode. I would say he's the biggest star of the show. I, I love Omari Douglas. Uh, Ollie Alexander is fantastic in the lead. It, it, it's almost like it, there's a group of friends and you all know one of you is like going to die. Like one of you is going, it's going to happen. It's it's sort of like the pandemic. One of us is going to get COVID. This is AIDS. I cannot recommend it's a sin to enough people. If you, you know, it, it's a, it's a, Story not only about what's happening with AIDS and is scary as hell because it's this disease, but it's also about intolerance. It's also about tolerance. It's about friendship. The friendships are beautiful in this story. I I don't know. I can't say enough amazing things. It's a Sin is my number one. Well, I love that. I love that. That's I'm going to watch this show. I'm going to check it out. This and the He-Man one because that freaking premise, the master of the monkey. universe. You're not going to watch Jason Sudeikis as a ghost. Well, that too. I'm also going to watch Mad Monkey. Mad Monkey. Hit Monkey. Hit Monkey. Hit Monkey. Hit Monkey as well as Masters of the Universe, as well as It's a Sin. Those are on my watch list. It is happening. And I'm going to do Midnight Mass for sure. And I think Starstruck. I think you sold me. You're going to really like Starstruck. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's more calm, less rom. Okay, I like that too. And then Sex Lives and College Girls I got to check out. Yeah, Yeah, those are There's a lot of TV I got to check out. There's a lot of good stuff here. And now... Now we get to the hard part. We got to build a list. Okay. So we both have WandaVision on our list. I I was going to say, I think WandaVision should get top billing 
because we both have WandaVision on our list. But I am going to give you It's a Sin at number two because the, it seems really damn cool. I'm okay with that. And then let's move Squid Game to number three on the list. And it, yeah, because okay. Because it's, it's, it's high for you and it's in the same spot for me at number seven. But then we got to go home, home economics. Yes, down. I'm definitely down for this. All right. So right there. We've got all of our stuff that we crossed over, which was only three shows this time. That's, That's actually crazy. very little. Very little. Yeah. yeah. So next up on my list, it's Hitmonkey. Oh, it's Hitmonkey time. Hitmonkey and Sex Lives of College Girls. Um, You know, I could go either way, but I say we put both directly beside each other. Like, I think those are ones that should be on this list. All right. Um, let's see here. Okay, because I gave you Squid Game higher. I'm taking Hitman, Hitmonkey higher. Yeah, I like it. I'm in. I think that makes a lot of sense. I want to give you Midnight Mass because I think a lot of our listeners would love it. And oh, I yeah. think that, uh, you know, we, we gave a lot of respect to Mike Flanagan today. And I think he deserves to be on our list. I'm down for this. Midnight Mass. I think it's going to go good. Um, all right. How about, I, I, I want to do the master of the universe, but I'm going to oh, say, yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to ask, can we put it in the number 10 position? And the reason is that I feel like not everyone loves, uh, you know, like an animated. And so, and because it seems like a less, slightly less, well, there's also Hitmonkey above. So that's really the reason why. All right. That's fair. And we can keep out uh, Invincible because we've oh, got a couple okay. others that are above it. we do have a couple. It, right? above. Yeah, that's true. We're in, we, we only so have two I'm, slots left. Only two positions left in this sort of list we're compiling. All right. Well, let's see Well, here. we only have, well, right now we have actually two Marvel shows. I was going to say, I think Hawkeye makes sense to put in the next after Midnight Mass. Well, I was going to say Starstruck because I think it fits overall. But Ginny and Georgia, is that a drama? You said it was funny. It's it's light. It's more of a drama, but it's light. It's like light and witty and sometimes funny, but sometimes dramatic. But I think I think the next one, like I think the the after Midnight Mass, I think Hawkeye. Well, here's my thing about the list. I've heard so many good things about Hawkeye. Everybody in the world saw Endgame for the most part. So WandaVision's a very clear, easy path to go with. You don't have to have seen any Marvel anything in the world to watch Hitmonkey. So that's on its own. Yep. Hawkeye... There's some other prerequisites that you have to go into before you watch. And I don't want to do there, that to our I listeners. Mean, I mean, I don't believe that bullshit that you need to watch the prerequisites. There's a really big character who's in another movie that comes after Endgame that shows up in this movie. There's another character from another Netflix show that shows up in this movie. In this show. Yeah, but who cares if you watch them beforehand? All I'm saying is... I mean, I don't know why I'm fighting against my own show being on the list, but I am 
to get your show on the list. Well, there's and you're two fighting slots. me. We have two slots available here. But here's my thinking: is I have heard anyone I've heard who've wa- who has watched Hawkeye has really loved it. All I'm saying is, I get that the Easter eggs have a lot more payoff if you do your homework with a Marvel show. But the yes. people who write this stuff write it so that even if you never watched the thing that was there beforehand, you're still going to be able to follow along in the story. You're not going to be confused. The writing is not like that. The Easter egg is a bonus for the people who know the content. And so that's why I just don't think it matters that much. All right. Uh, Look, Hawkeye is definitely like a palate cleanser kind of show as well. So I'm good to throw that in. Why don't we put... And then, yeah, like, the, so I was going to ask you, here's the thing I would do I feel the, like the White Lotus should be on this list, is what I think. I was just going to say, the ones that I would want to put in that last position for my list, if we were picking, would be the White Lotus, because it had a lot of buzz, or Ginny and Georgia, because it really is great and people forgot about it, but it's fantastic. Or starstruck because no one's heard of it and it's worth watching. So I, I guess my question to you is, out of those three, what do you think deserves the last spot most? Okay, I think the White Lotus is gonna get some like some Emmy buzz if it if it hasn't already happened. But I also think like Only Murders in the Building. Oh shit! Yeah, Only Murders in the will Building will also great. get some buzz. And it's my number 11, so it's not like it's far away. And only probably number 11 because I've only seen two episodes so far. Right. And you're going to, it's going to go higher, I think, on your list because it's so much fun. Yeah, exactly. It could, it could end up even like blowing past anything because I am like actively watching it right now. You know what's crazy? There are only two shows on this list that you could watch on a television cable subscription. Oh my God, that's true but they're they're high up there i think we need another another cable show on this so maybe we go white lotus well, is white lotus cable or is it hbo max well it would have been like i think it airs on hbo wouldn't it i i actually have no idea how it works because i always stream my hbo content but um i don't know how it works on regular television i guess it would be on regular television too why would they not because in Canada, White Lotus is obviously on Crave, but it yeah. wasn't all released right away, I don't think. I think it was like episode it by was episode weekly. because it definitely. was on TV. It was, yeah, it was weekly for oh, sure. Oh, it was on TV because they definitely had advertising for it. Okay. Well, like, there we go. So I think the White Lotus, just because we need another cable show. I'm in. Although Starstruck is also HBO, so I assume that also had TV, but who knows? But that was a smaller British thing, so maybe not. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that was only HBO Max and Crave. All right, we are going to now count down the top 10 TV shows of 2021. Our list coming at you. Number 10, Masters of the Universe Revelations. Number 9, the White Lotus. Number eight, Hawkeye. Number seven, Midnight Mass. Number six, Sex Lives of College Girls. Number five, Hit Monkey. Number four, Home Economics. 
Number three, Squid Game. Number two, It's a Sin. And the number one new TV show of 2021, WandaVision. Whoa, ho, 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 ho. All right, Ivana, what are we going to watch next time? All right, well, we're going to kick it off with a movie. We just spent a lot of time talking about television. It's about time we get our movie watching on. And we're going to go with a 21 a 2021 picture, French Dispatch. Yeah, this is a Wes Anderson flick. And I I haven't really heard anything about it. I know when it came out, I heard the new Wes Anderson flicks out. But I didn't hear anything like past that. And it is coming up to award season, you would think. He's been awarded before. Yeah, I the thing is, is comedies right now are really out of favor. So I feel like he's not going to be awarded for much of anything. But it is a 3.8 on Letterboxd, which means people are enjoying the, the movie. And it looks like, um, you know, quite a lot of people have given this movie four stars. Okay. I mean, it's Letterboxd and people like Wes Anderson. And I've always thought Wes Anderson is like, See, here's the thing. Okay. I, I don't want to poo-poo somebody's favorite director. Like, the hero worship of directors is stupid because every director hits a patch in their life that's like, yeah, these aren't that great anymore. I did it that's for years true. with Spielberg. And there's barely a, a, a director alive that... Every single thing they churn out is a hit. But if you join the cult, then you're just, yep, I love him. So I got to I love him. So I got I love. No, man, like get out of that cult hero worship of directors, because at some point they're going to hate you're You're going to not like it. And you'll be like, but did he let me down? No, he didn't let you down. It's impossible to keep up like a batting average like that all the time. You know what? I fully agree. And and I don't know. Like I've heard this I've heard some good buzz about this movie for sure. But ultimately, I mean, and I hated Bottle Rocket. Like that was really disappointing when we watched that one. Did we watch it for the podcast or just for fun? We might have watched it for fun. I think I think I watched Bottle Rocket for our very first ever movie club where it was only three of us there. And Whoa. that was not you. That was before my time. That was, <laughs> that was before, before my you time. joined. It was before you joined. And the theme was directorial debuts. And oh. we did Wes Anderson's directorial debut, Christopher Nolan's directorial debut, and Clint Eastwood's directorial debut. Interesting. Oh, I like that. And I that. remember, uh, I think... All of them were like, okay. They weren't like great. And I think we liked Nolan's the most and then play Misty for me. And then Bottle Rocket was maybe the same as play Misty for me. I really didn't get Bottle Rocket, but Royal Tenenbaums is like among one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. I mean, I always laugh and enjoy myself a little bit, but I never think it's like, this is pure cinema. 
<laughs> Wait, so. isn't Me- Memento Nolan's first movie? Is it not? No, it's not. Following is Nolan's first movie. It's a black and white film about a pickpocket who likes to follow people uh, throughout the day. Oh, okay. Well, that is definitely not Memento. <laughs> no, no, no. Definitely not Memento. I think Memento is his second or third, something like that. Well, either way, next week we are watching The French Dispatch. And that's the show. Thanks for listening and be sure to tune in again next time. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please add a rating or review to your podcast app if it's available. The music you heard today comes from bensound.com. And if you read our show notes, you will learn more about our friends who voiced our intros and where we got our sound effects. You can find more episodes and information on our website. That's morethemovies.net. Or you can like us on Facebook forward slash more the movies podcast. And if you want to interact directly, you can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Jester J. I'm at It's Ivana. We'll be back soon with a new episode. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. So until next time, friends. Do more. And watch more.